1: All right and welcome to Against the Match wrestling podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy, along with
0: Donnie Cage coming at. Uh-huh. you
1: happy happy Monday, sir. How's it going?
0: It's going great, sir. How was the how was the rest of your weekend? Are you still uh recovering from the Survivor Series hangover? Oh,
1: man, you know I have uh, so many emotions about <laughs> about this weekend. And uh, we'll get into all that and more uh, as we go on with the episode. Uh, how about yourself? Have you recovered?
0: I have. You know, I'm uh, excited to talk about the results. It was uh, a lot, a lot of fun doing the live stream for the first uh, ninety minutes of the show, uh, except for the technical glitches we had in the very beginning. But we did get it resolved.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, folks, if that is on our Facebook page, and that is against the mat wrestling podcast Facebook page just uh click uh join the page if you want to watch the video and uh donnie or myself can accept you so come on and join us we should advertise that more i always forget about at the beginning of the show though uh all right so uh also uh mr cage has a podcast that he created and also the co-host of sir you want to go ahead and tell everybody about that show
0: yes so if you want to check out the uncaged voice podcast for some uh, fun commentary on movies and gaming and all sorts of other pop culture related things. In addition to wrestling, you can check it out on YouTube. And we also stream live on Twitch from time to time. That's myself, top tier, Brian and jigsaw jester.
1: Fantastic. And also, uh, for those of you that enjoy listening to the news or, uh, updates as well as interesting interviews. Uh, by the way, we'll be dropping uh, part one of a two part interview that I just completed. The young man, and this is worth noting because his story is something else. His name is, uh, Christopher, Christopher Scott. And he was actually, uh, he's, he's made a documentary. He's on Amazon prime, uh, major television shows. He was, he was convicted of murder and served 13 years. He was convicted. He was convicted for life and he served 13 years as an innocent man. And boy, his story is just something else. That's a two part episode. Uh, like I said, the first part, will be uploaded on Wednesday and the second part on Saturday. So be sure to check out that special interview only on the red pill current news podcast. We drop episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. Also right here, if this is your first time listening. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button. We drop new episodes here every Monday and Friday, unless we do a live stream like we did over the weekend, which Donnie mentioned that was so much fun. So much fun. I promise you the next one will be on YouTube. It was a click of the button and, uh, Like he said, we we had a lot of uh, uh, technical issues at the beginning, uh, which caused that to happen. Anyways, though, if you ever want to be a guest on this show or have any questions for Donnie or myself, you can always reach us at O-L-Kentucky, spelled out O-Kentucky99 at Yahoo.com. All right, so let's get into today's episode. We always start off with a little segment that Mr. Cage created a while back that I absolutely love and that is My Fantasy Booking. And what this is basically is when Mr. Cage will pick a wrestler and I will pick a different wrestler, however we don't discuss, and we tell how maybe their career uh, could have changed while they were with any promotion, or if they would have been booked better, maybe they would have been an actual champion or what have you. So I'll go ahead and turn this segment over to Mr. Cage. And it's all yours, sir.
0: Thank you very much, Kentucky guy. So um, I want to take you back to the year 1995, to the Royal Rumble that actually took place that year. And if you remember, <coughs> excuse me, um, Shawn Michaels won his first Royal Rumble in 1995. He He went the distance. He was the first wrestler in the history of the Royal Rumble match to go the distance, lasting from number one until the very end. He last eliminated uh, Davy Boy Smith, the late great British Bulldog. And he would go on to wrestle at WrestleMania 11 against Diesel, Kevin Nash, who was his storyline best friend for many, many years, former bodyguard. And of course, they were real life best friends and members of the clique. But um, if you remember, in the lead up to that matchup at WrestleMania 11, Shawn Michaels and Diesel were not going to be the main event. They were one of the one of the main matches on the card for the World Wrestling Federation Championship, but it wasn't the main event. The main event that year was a celebrity matchup. It was Lawrence Taylor, the former football player, against Bam Bam Bigelow. And for a celebrity match, that, you know, was perfectly fine. It was acceptable. But I never understood why the World Wrestling Federation Championship match was not closing the show. And to be perfectly honest, I actually think if I can make one small tweak, I think Shawn Michaels should have captured the championship at WrestleMania 11 that year because he had a lot of momentum coming out of the Royal Rumble. He had a new bodyguard in his corner, which was Psycho Sid at the time. And uh, Diesel was losing a lot of steam as WWF champion at that point. And if anything, had Diesel lost to Shawn Michaels on that night, I think they could have made a lot more money by having Diesel chase the title and eventually winning it from Shawn Michaels. Because Diesel is champion, especially when you look at it in retrospect. I mean, he really lost a lot of momentum pretty quickly, especially as a fan favorite. Because to be perfectly honest, a guy that size, who uses moves like the big boot, the snake eyes, Sidewalk slam, the jackknife powerbomb, all that stuff. Um, it just works so much better as a heel than he does as a babyface. And Kevin Nash, if he was going to be a babyface, would have just worked better if he was in the hunt for the title rather than being hunted. And Shawn Michaels, in my opinion, was probably the most heel on the roster at that point in time. He, he, had a, he had a cult following in the audience, but he was still a heel. arrogant heel. And I think it would have just worked better with him becoming the champion on that night and Diesel eventually beating him for the belt. It could have actually helped uh, revitalize uh, Diesel as a champion, in my honest opinion. So uh, not a major, major uh, booking uh, or fantasy booking tonight, but just one that I would have tweaked slightly because I think it would have created better storylines. And that was at a time when the WWF desperately needed better storylines and better champions.
1: Yeah, I mean I I uh I agree with you. I actually remember that and I actually thought that uh John Michaels was going to win that match and become champion that year. You know, uh Sid Vicious he didn't play much of a role. Uh he was there. There's a lot of things they could have done in that match. And Diesel, I'll be honest with you, I never thought much of Diesel as a champion. Only when he was actually Kevin Ash uh in WCW, yeah, I could see him with the belt there. But in the for some reason, I don't know why. But in the WWE, it just like it left a bad taste in my mouth when he had the belt. I, I just didn't like it. It didn't look right on him. Uh, it wore out that he was over at first, and then it wore out really, really fast with everybody else. And uh, it could have helped him. He might have never, you know, the the fantasy that you're talking about. If they would have done things correctly we may never had him part of the new world order because it wasn't really a long time after that when he left for WCW and joined, uh, Scott Hall and, uh, Hulk Hogan over, you know, as the new world order. So, uh, (laughs) so your prediction is good. You're you're booking, uh, but it could have changed a lot of history. (laughs) All right. So, uh, that's,
0: that's why it's called fantasy booking, Kentucky guy. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm here for it. I mean, I'm a big, always been a big Shawn Michaels fan. And would have loved to seen him got the title then. Actually, I thought he was going... I was uh, not devastated, but I was uh, uh, shocked when he didn't. So my fantasy booking this week, it's not a... It, basically, it's more of a personal thing for me this week. And basically, it's because I see this wrestler who has done a lot. And then he comes to WWE when they're doing stupid gimmicks. And they just really he's not taken serious and this is a uh uh, he was a former uh let's see here eight times uh, heavyweight champion and 11 times heavyweight tag team champion before coming to the wwe and playing this role so my fantasy booking uh this week is none other than nicholas david densmore you may be wondering who that is his ring name and you should recognize this was eugene in the wwe his career began in 1996 in ohio valley wrestling as i mentioned he became the ohio valley wrestling heavyweight champion eight times and a part of their tag team championship he held that title 11 times he debuted in the wwe in 2004 under the ring name uh, eugene and he was supposedly eric bischoff's nephew and intellectually disabled wrestler This guy didn't have a chance in this company from the very beginning. Uh, During his time in the company, uh, he was involved in a lot of storylines. He competed against uh, wrestlers like Triple H, Kurt Angle. Actually, he did hold one title in the WWE. He was uh, fellow tag team champions with William Regal. Here's the thing, though. This guy, anytime that he did a move... They would act like, and this is, and this is the one time, not the one time, but the first time the WWE reminded me so much of the OWCW before they went out of business. And it's not just because Eric Bischoff was a part of the storyline. It's just how they made this guy out. This guy would get in there and he would do amazing moves, amazing moves. And he had all the talent, all the talent. He might've not had the right look, but he had all the talent. And he did these amazing moves. And every time he would do something great, uh, he even beat Triple H once. Every time he'd do something great, they would act like, oh, well, he watched his former, you know, his favorite hero, wrestling hero uh, on television. That's how he learned that move. Hulk Hogan and what have you. It it, it just, I I think they, I believe they treated this guy like crap. He was eventually released in 2007. uh, And he returned. To Ohio Valley wrestling and he won the championship the heavyweight title two more times so evidently he's no slouch and by the way if you guys are wondering about Ohio Valley wrestling there are a lot of top names that come from there Randy Orton uh Dolph Ziggler The Miz there's a bunch of them so that title is not just something they just give around give away he did return to the WWE in 2013 but he was released the next year in 2015 he started and still owns his own promotion the midwest all pro wrestling when he was with the wwe the last time he was a trainer and he trained many individuals some john cena randy orton rock lesnar and that's just naming a few i'd be here all night if i went through all of them but basically he wanted to wrestle in the ring and he had the talent he still has the talent I went and watched a video of him, uh, two months ago in the, in his wrestling promotion. And it was very, very good, but I want to go over real quick, just a couple of the other, cause I don't want you guys to think all his titles were just in Ohio Valley wrestling. I want you to hear this real fast and we'll go through this. All right. So the, uh, Canadian wrestling elite, uh, he was the tag team champions. Uh, he was the, uh, heavyweight champion with the heart heartland wrestling association he was also the united states champion there and he was a tag team champion there music city wrestling uh he was the north american tag team champion we already missed in, uh, about ohio valley and then also river city championship he was the heavyweight championship he was a heavyweight champion five times the wisconsin pro wrestling uh he was the broadway champion i don't know what that is and the heavyweight champion so it's not just Ohio Valley wrestling, which that's an unprecedented. He, he holds the record for the most, uh, the, the one heavyweight singles competitor that had the most title reigns at 10. Well, he's actually 12 now, but I just, I think they lost a major thing here. And it's one of those things. He didn't fit the bill that Vincent McMahon seen Eric Bischoff. I just didn't like him is what I heard from, uh, uh, is what I read, you know, the rumors. I did hear that William Regal did not like him at first, but then they actually became good friends and remain good friends till this day. I'm just saying this guy, I think they missed the boat on him. He was he was a proven pedigree champion before coming there and they make him out to be like a mental patient. And I just, you know, I think they blew it. And, uh, I disagree with his entire career. Every time he came back to the WWE, I just felt like he wasn't treated properly your thoughts? Well,
0: wow, that was a really good fantasy booking, actually, and a really good example of what happens when you take a true talent and you put him uh, in the hands of people who just don't know what they're doing. Um, and who, and maybe a, a, another, another week we we'll do fantasy booking, I'll talk about another superstar from OVW who deserved more of a shot. But, it's, but there were a lot of wrestlers. I mean, for all the Randy Orton's and Brock Lesnar's and Shelton Benjamins and John Cena's who came out of OVW, you had guys like uh, you had guys like Doug Basham, uh, Danny Basham, who's also called uh, Damaja, Johnny Jeter, uh, Mike Mondo, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kenny, Kenny Doan, Nick Dinsmore, like you just mentioned. These guys had tons of talent, but they made it to the WWE and they just were like embarrassed week after week on national television when they should have been utilized so much better and i don't understand the logic behind not utilizing these guys to their full potential it's like drafting a star quarterback who won the heisman trophy out of college and instead of him getting drafted in the first or second round and becoming you know the cornerstone of an nfl team's offense he just he gets made a, he, he's made the third string quarterback barely gets any playing time and pretty much just becomes one of those, uh, well, yeah, he, this guy had all the talent in the world, but he didn't get anywhere. And I'm like, well, yeah, cause you didn't give him a, get, didn't give him a shot to showcase his talent.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, Tom Brady's perfect example of that. Uh, he was drafted in the seventh round. And finally, finally he got in the Patriots under a good coach, Vilichek that could see potential in him. And now he's the goat. I mean, like him or love him, guys. Tom Brady's the goat prove me wrong and i'm a huge pain manning fan but truth is in the blizzard <laughs> so uh yeah and you're absolutely right there's so many uh so many different and i'm that's why i think that's why i like this segment so much is because it gives us a chance to actually talk about it that a lot of the audience may have never heard of or they may have forgotten about uh there's a lot of i've talked to some people that listen to the show and they have forgotten more about wrestling than i'll ever know. <laughs> so, and i enjoy those conversations but this one here uh yeah it just uh i didn't I, I don't know uh and they're doing better now with triple h of course but they continued this with their own stars that they brought up in, uh from nxt and we've talked about several of them and we will again but okay well, let's move on um uh, let's go ahead and go to aew rampage results We'll go over SmackDown and Rampage results, and then we'll get into the pay-per-view. The results were we had a match between FTR and Top Flight. Uh, The winner was FTR. I thought the match was okay. Uh, I'm looking more forward to FTR fighting for the AEW titles. I thought the match was okay, though. Your thoughts? Yeah, I
0: mean, Top Flight, they're young, they're... High flyers have got some pretty cool athletic moves in their arsenal, but again, FTR is FTR. I mean, they're collecting accolade after accolade right now, and I think it's only a matter of time before they capture the AEW Tag Team Championship from the
1: acclaimed. Yeah, the the acclaim is is, is getting very old, and and and, not, and I'm not just saying I I never have liked them, but you can tell by the crowd they're not getting the pops. Uh, as they used to now when billy gunn does come out with them uh he still gets the pop which he always he's billy gunn he always will the next match was darby allen uh versus anthony henry i'm not too sure who anthony henry is i watched this match i'm not too sure him or his partner i don't recognize them but uh darby allen did win the match uh pretty i wouldn't say it was a squash match but it he didn't suffer as much as he normally does in a match And Sting actually got a little bit physical with uh, Anthony Henry's partner. So overall, I think it was a it was an okay match. I mean, it wasn't one to write home about, they say, but it was okay. Your thoughts?
0: Eh, My my man Darby uh, pretty much uh, put the exclamation point on Anthony Henry, which is what I assumed would happen. That's one. That's one of the issues I have lots of times with these matches that uh, uh, AEW puts on Rampage. Sometimes is that I feel like the outcome is a little too predictable.
1: And that's normally true, except the main event. That didn't, that, that surprised me. But We'll get to that here in just a moment. Here, Kia, uh, here, Kuru or whatever her name is, uh, versus, uh, queen Amanita, Sheeta. one, I, I didn't, to be honest with you guys, I'm complete transparency. I watched about two minutes of this match and then, uh, I lost interest and got up and, uh, actually left the room. Not, not mad or anything. I just wasn't into it. So. I'll let you talk about it, Mr. Cage. Uh,
0: I, I mean, again, it was another another predictable outcome. I mean, Hikaru Shida is a former AEW Women's Championship I'm a cha- championship holder. I think they're, you know, eventually they're going to try to build her up again, which which would be good because you might get some fresh matchups that you haven't seen before. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, I assumed she was going to win this match going into it,
1: and I was right. And then the uh, main event. The uh, Dark Order versus uh, Roosh Butcher and the Blade. This main event did what main events should do. It stole the show. The match started off with just uh, two members of the Dark Order. Uh, Wrestler number 10, or they just used to call him 10, I guess. He was not there. They were trying to find him. Evil Uno and uh, Brody Lee's son, which is minus one. I believe they call him now. He wears a mask, but it's Brody Lee Jr., They went out to find number 10. I guess they found him somewhere. They brought him back in. He actually turned heel and (laughs) turned on Dark Order, causing them the match. Uh, He destroyed, well, he he joined Rush and the Butcher and the Blade and really destroyed the members uh, that were out there of the Dark Order. He actually put one through a table. He actually tore the mask off an evil Uno. And then he walked up to the ramp. And he takes his mask off. I think his name is Tony Vance or something like that. He took his mask off right in front of a distraught negative one, which is Brody Lee Jr. And I thought, wow, the match was okay. But but the ending, phenomenal. That's the way to do it right there. I thought that was great. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, they've been uh, teasing the possibility that he could split from the dark order, and they finally pulled the trigger. So hopefully this will give... uh, Hopefully, this will give Vance a little bit of a, a shot in the arm that he needs, and uh, we'll get to, we'll get to see more from him. Maybe he'll you know uh, work more matches on Rampage. And uh, as far as the Dark Order goes, I'm curious to see what they do next because uh, I feel like they've been they've been kind of lost in the shuffle for a while now, and they they, they need to do more with them because they're an interesting group, but they need to do something to shake things up
1: ever since they lost Brody Lee you're right they, they've just been kind of just kind of hanging there they've never there's so many things that they you're right there's so many things they could do with those guys because it's a decent sized group plus they've never named another leader which is so odd and you would think like uh, Malachi Black when he first came on the scene would have been perfect for that role or even uh, we've had a, the guy from New Japan Wrestling. What was his name? The Great Muda would have been perfect for that role. It, it They're different than Brody Lee was, and that's what you need. You don't want somebody exactly the same to do the you can't eat until after I'm done eating, <laughs> which was great. His character was great uh, as the leader of uh, the Dark Order. But just something a little bit different. Th- th- you're right. There's a lot they could do, and uh, they haven't. And I don't know why they they have all the talent in the world. I mean, they have them under contract, anyways. I still haven't seen Rusev. I they don't even mention his name anymore. It's weird. What are your thoughts about Rusev? What's going on with him? You think
0: I'm guessing that a creative just has nothing for him. (laughs) That was that was the old saying in WWE when a wrestler wasn't on television. Well, we just don't have anything for you right now. I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, they need. Get contenders for the All Atlantic Championship and the TNT title picture, don't they? Uh, I I mean, put give him a tag team partner, give him have him chase the tag team titles. I mean, something. I mean, the guy's too talented to just have him sit on the sidelines.
1: And that's and you're right. And that's basically what he's doing because he's not like I I watch all this independent stuff. I hate to admit my addiction, but <laughs> I keep up with it pretty regularly. And he's not wrestling anywhere else. Nowhere. So, it's strange. Very strange. Just like Andrade. Andrade, I know he had a thing with uh, Sammy, but, and, they, and they say he's suspended, but he's not wrestling in A or anywhere right now. It's just like he disappeared. It's weird. Weird. Okay, so let's move on quickly to SmackDown results. Uh, the SmackDown World Cup Round 2. Escobar versus Butch. Uh, he actually pinned Butch, uh, via pinfall. This was due to a distraction in the back between kind of a gang war that was happening, which I thought was pretty cool. But, uh, and also, uh, a distraction by, uh, Delina Vega. She got involved just a little bit. And, uh, Santos was the winner of that match, Escobar. And it's kind of interesting, uh, You know what? I'm going to go over the the other uh, round two winner real quick, and I'll let you talk on both of them. This is kind of interesting. So the winner of the other uh, semifinal round two was Ricochet. He actually defeated Braun Strowman. (laughs) And then he gets in the ring, and he helps Braun afterwards. I I still think there's a match coming between uh, Gunther and, and Strowman, regardless of the winner in this. And, you know, Ricochet won this match because Braun Strowman was distracted. He didn't win it cleanly. He he still won the match and he come back in and he, to help Braun Strowman, uh, fend off because the Imperial did tack him. But now you have this final final of the world cup and you have Escobar versus ricochet. And yeah, I'm not excited about that at all. It's kind of odd. Your thoughts on those, sir. Kentucky guy. I couldn't
0: agree with you more. And here's why. So, First of all, they missed a golden opportunity here because had Butch won his match against Escobar, he could have been one step closer to reigniting his amazing feud from NXT UK with Gunther. Remember back in the day when they were still wrestling as Pete Dunne and Walter, they feuded over the NXT UK championship and had some awesome encounters. Um, and, And honestly, the prospect of Braun Strowman versus Gunther, that excites me way more than Santos Escobar or Ricochet versus Gunther because I think it's pretty obvious that the ring general would retain his title against either of those guys. No disrespect to either wrestler. They're both very talented, but I don't see either one of them beating Gunther anytime, anytime soon. So yeah, I'm disappointed in the outcome of the World Cup. I think that the final match should have been Butch versus Braun Strowman. I think that would have been an interesting match. Number one. Um, we've never seen the two of them uh, face off against each other, but what can I say? I'm not the booker.
1: Yeah. And you know, if memory serves me correctly, Gunther beat Ricochet for the title. That's how he originally got the title. And I think he's beat him like two or three times. So we've been there and done that. And you know, they're not going to bring this Escobar who they just brought into back to the company. Uh, he's, <laughs> Yeah, I just, you're right. You're right. Uh, I, it just doesn't make any sense, and I'm—I I could care less now who wins that final match. Not even interested in watching. And also, it's, we've seen a video uh, clip of Dominique Mysterio and Rhea Ripley brutally, brutally assaulting Ray Mysterio at Ray's home during a family Thanksgiving dinner. So here, so I, <laughs> so here's the funny thing on this, okay? First of all, I, I want to make clear to everybody listening, Dominique Mysterio has a girlfriend that he's had for over six years. Rhea Ripley is in a relationship with Buddy Matthews, the uh, House of Black AEW star. Okay, I want to put that out there because I've seen several videos over the last couple of days. I actually commented on one earlier today, and the guy's not going to like it, but it is what it is. And there, people are going around saying, that these guys are an actual couple in real life. The guy that I commented on earlier, he actually in his channel is called wrestling news. And I told him he needs to change his channel name to wrestling propaganda. (laughs) I am what I am. So I'm not afraid to tell you guys what I said. Nice. He is, uh, he, he's actually trying to tell people that, and this guy has a pretty, pretty big subscriber base. He's trying to tell his audience that Dominique and Rhea Ripley got married over the weekend (laughs) in real life and they're getting ready to lose their job at the wwe for it it's all garbage do not believe this stuff guys this is a this is what they're doing on television and it works because it's driving the fans absolutely crazy i mean it is absolutely driving them crazy and uh it's good that means it's working and when the fans stop talking that's when you got a problem. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. I know they didn't have a match, but we did see that. And then we also seen, we got to see the Viking Raiders again, which they were freaking awesome. And they defeated Hit Row, who I just don't understand. I'm telling you, Triple H, if you're planning on doing any releases anytime soon, Hit Row needs to be a part of it. It was a mistake. You, you bumbled it up. Just own it and let's get these guys off on of our television screens. Your thoughts, sir?
0: Uh, Well, you know, I'll admit when I, when they first brought them back to TV, I was willing to give Hit Row a a chance because I know that Triple H was high on them from their time in NXT, but you and I have both said it without Isaiah Swerve Scott there, um, they're just taking up television time. And unfortunately, I think unless they're just going to send them back to NXT, I, I don't feel they serve any purpose on the roster, so... Good on the WWE for having the Viking Raiders win against them and continue looking more dominant. Great stuff. Um, As far as the uh, Rey Mysterio, Rhea Ripley stuff goes, there's a little thing called acting. And every wrestler and uh, manager, whether you know it or not, every time they show up on television each week or a live event, they're given a little bit of a performance. Some are better actors than others, but obviously what... Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley are doing right now, it's working. Because like you said, it's getting people talking. But at the same time, you don't want to just start spreading these rumors that are the furthest thing from the truth imaginable. So, again, hats off to Rhea Ripley, Rhea, excuse me, Ripley and Dominic Mysterio for doing a great job playing their characters. That's what's making Judgment Day such an interesting faction right now. And I say, I say, just keep up the good work. Keep people talking.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you're, you're spot on. Do, do what you're doing because it's working. It's just, uh, and I don't have a problem with fans guessing and things, but if you're going to call, if you're going to do it, I uh, have a following and subscribers and you're going to put out show and you're going to call it news, actual news. It, if you called your show or you called that segment, uh, we, we used to have a segment called around the water cooler rumor. In news, you know, so from the dirt sheet. So, yeah, do that, but don't call yourself an actual wrestling news and then report garbage that's just going to confuse people because it's hard enough keeping fans on any sport, let alone wrestling. Okay, so then it shows Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. They attacked Raquel Rodriguez and Shotzi backstage. Ronda Rousley, she slammed Rodriguez's arm across the equipment uh, case and she they, she was injured. They didn't think that she was going to uh, make it to the match, but she did because they had a tag team match versus each other. This was the kickoff towards the Survivor Series singles match for the uh, SmackDown Ladies Championship. Ronda Rousey got Raquel Rodriguez in the arm bar, of course, and she, uh, she tapped out to the submission. Ronda, uh, Raquel Rodriguez reportedly is supposed to be out for the next three to six weeks uh, due to her arm injury. And that is the last update that I've received on her. I do, I did hear, and this is just speculation. I did hear that she was going to, they were going to try to push her before she got actually injured uh, to as a singles competitor against Ronda Rousey for the title. Here's my problem with that. We've seen that and done that. Ronda's beat her twice already. So uh, you need something different there, folks, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, your thoughts, sir?
0: Well, again, she's another person who looked great in NXT, and I was excited to see her debut on the main roster, and they've completely botched everything other than her having a short-lived reign with the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team titles with uh, Aaliyah. Um, so I feel bad for Raquel because I feel like she deserves to be booked stronger. But at the same time, I understand... Ronda Rousey's your SmackDown Women's Champion. She's the baddest woman on the planet. Um, you've got to get her over strong. So they did this injury angle, which, you know, again, it sounds like Raquel Rodriguez is also dealing with some real-life uh, injury as well. It's going to keep her out of action for a bit. Hopefully she doesn't miss a lot of ring time because I'd like to see her back, and I'd like to see her uh, be booked a lot stronger. Um, so, But, I mean, this angle served its purpose once again, to show how powerful Ronda Rousey is.
1: Yeah. Uh, you're right. They missed the boat. They even brought back, they even brought back the person <laughs> who helped get Raquel Rodriguez over in NXT. And that's Dakota Kai. And they still didn't pair them up. Remember, we used to talk about it all the time, how great she would be a part of that faction. And you put Nikki cross there. It's a mistake. It's a Mistake. All right. So let's see. Oh, also we need to, Oh, I can't believe I almost didn't mention this and moved on to the pay-per-view. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt does his promo in the ring. And in his promo, he is the actual Bray Wyatt, this character that he's been trying to be honest with the audience and what have you. And he insists that he is not the one responsible for attacking L.A. Knight the week before. But his, I don't know if you want to call it alter ego or who this is. Uncle Howdy shows up on the screen and pretty much disagrees and begs the difference. He tells the audience, do not believe him. If we believe him, he will make a fool out of all of us. Then he goes to LA night. Here's the one thing I wish they'd do on that Uncle Howdy. When he got done talking, I wish they would actually let Bray respond once in a while. They never do. It always cuts off. Once in a while, just respond so we have a little bit of insight. And this story has got to go somewhere. And they actually, since they didn't do anything at Survivor Series, my feeling is it needs to go somewhere fast. They need to kind of put the pedal to the metal now. Uh, I think they missed a huge opportunity of not doing anything at all at, at Survivor Series, nothing at all. And, uh, and which I called it because I knew they were trying to build the war games. However, man, now you really got to put your, your foot down on the gas when it comes to this what's happening with Bray Wyatt, what's his next move, and what have you. So it comes back on. L.A. Knight is in the back telling he's calling Bray Wyatt trash. <laughs> he says that he would have uh, got vengeance if he would not have been so injured from the injury that he suffered and so much pain. And that didn't fare well because later on in the show, once again, somebody, and there's in the mirror, in the, in the the in the door mirror, the mask, somebody attacked him once again and so I don't I don't know where they're going with this I can tell you one thing la Knight, this is this is helping him this has not hurt him at all he's super bad and super tough uh, anybody that'll stand there after getting a bunch of bread trays and that thrown on top of them and everything else in the world the week before to call somebody trash that's as scary as Bray Wyatt yeah you know, that's a pretty good look I think this is going to work out in his favor uh nobody's expecting him to win anything but I think it's going to work out in his favor because it still shows that he's a pretty tough guy. Cuz remember, not everybody knows LA Knight, not everybody watches NXT. So this is a good way. This is the right way to build his character on the main roster. Your thoughts, sir?
0: Yeah, I think it was pretty well done overall and the fact that LA Knight isn't backing down from these attacks uh, shows that he has a lot of uh t- you know, as uh Mick Foley used to say, testicular fortitude. Uh <laughs> But uh, but but yeah, I, I want to see them. I want to see them go somewhere with this Bray Wyatt storyline. Now we've all been excited that he's back, and that they and that he plays some mind games with people. But yeah, they gotta they've got to do something soon because it's right now. I feel like we're in a little bit of a holding pattern, and it's kind of like okay, we've uh, you know we, we we we've been we've been preheating the oven now, so let's let's let, 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 let's let's put the food in and and, and let's bake it. And, and take out the main course we're ready we're ready to go
1: now yeah you can only dangle the carrots so long pretty sooner or later you got to give them the stick right yeah i agree so let's move on to the wwe survivor series 2022 war game so this this pay-per-view in my opinion was was good i'm not going to say it was great but i thought it was good it was very good it started off it actually started off with a pretty impressive match. And that was the females, uh, war games match, Bianca Belair, Alexa bliss, Asuka, Becky Lynch, and Mia. Uh, and then they faced damage control, which was Bailey, Dakota Kai, and i sky and Nikki cross and Rhea Ripley. And this match here, I thought was very, very good. I really did. And I don't, you guys know me. I don't usually enjoy, uh, female matches, but these guys brought it. And they brought it hard. They went under the ring. That's the only that got a little bit repetitive because like three in a row went under the ring and got tables and crap like that out. However, the overall match was was great. Rhea uh, Ria Ripley looked very very strong in this match. Actually thought she was going to win it for the team, uh, but she did not. She was actually uh, sprayed in the face by Asuka. I do see a Rhea Ripley and uh, Bianca Belair title match coming soon. And uh so anyways, Becky Lynch ended up getting the win for Bianca Belair's team. Kind of sad to see Becky Lynch as a as a baby face, but it is what it is. And uh she looked strong. She didn't look like somebody who uh who just come out of injury. I didn't see any ring rust on her at all. So I thought overall it was a decent match. I think the wrong team won. You actually picked this team, Donnie, and I picked uh or no, we both picked Damage Control to win, so we both got it wrong. Uh, but uh, yeah, what say you, sir?
0: Uh, it uh, it started out a little sloppy in the beginning when the first couple of entrants got into the match. I sat I sat there and I went, "Oh boy, this is uh, this is going to be ugly as it goes along." But I think that the ladies all kind of got it together and gave us a pretty solid spectacle when all was said and done. That was a pretty impressive spot at the very end with the uh, leg drop from the top of the cage through the table. Uh, really well done by the man. I, I, I will say I, I'm kind of like you, Kentucky guy. I wonder what is going to happen next because I don't see them once again having a Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair feud. Because now you would have two fan favorites going against each other, and that rarely works. Um, I could absolutely see Rhea Ripley being one of the next one of the next women in line for a title shot against Bianca, and I would not be opposed to that. I also would not be opposed to her winning the title. I think it's about time that uh, Rhea Ripley won a title, and who better in uh, the Judgment Day faction than her to uh, hold some uh, hold some gold right now. But um, it was a good match overall, and like I said, Becky Lynch, it was a strong showcase for her and for Rhea Ripley on Team Damage Control. But I do agree that my biggest issue with the War Games matches in general is that I hate that spot where so uh, where a member of a team stops to go pull weapons out from under the ring, the opposing team just stands there and lets them do it. Uh They don't they don't go out and try to attack them or anything. They just let them throw all the weapons in the ring. And then finally, everybody jumps in and they all go for weapons and it escalates from there. Uh, that kind of was a repetitive spot during the War Games matches.
1: Yep. The only person I seen uh, do what you say was Sami Zayn when Sheamus was coming in. He started to get under the ring. Sami Zayn shut the door on <laughs> <laughs> and uh Seamus ended up not getting anything from under the ring but he, he he just about killed Sammy with that door but yeah and I can see uh Becky Lynch and Bailey they had a standoff in the match at one time and I could I think that's that's huge I think that would be a great match a great feud and then we had Ronda Rousey. she defended her title against Shotzi the uh WWE Smackdown uh Women's Championship and as we both predicted, uh, Ronda Rousey did retain. However, I, I have to say that Shotzi looked pretty good in this match. Uh, a couple of things that happened. She took out the crowd, uh, a whole front row with a uh, cross body, which was uh, pretty amazing. So she did. She did well. She did very good. Shayna Baszler kind of got involved in the match a little bit, but Shotzi pretty much took her out. Uh, however, in the end, the right person won. Ronda Rousey retained her title. Your thoughts?
0: I am glad that they let Shotzi put up a fight in this match, and that it wasn't just a quick four to five minute Ronda Rousey squash. Um, you know, there were there were a couple sloppy spots in this match. There was at one point uh, Shotzi was trying to jump over the ropes and DDT Ronda Rousey on the apron, but that was like totally messed up the timing there. I don't know if it's just that ronda mistimed the bump that she had to take or what it was but that looked kind of ugly but uh yeah that uh the cross body spot in the crowd looked pretty cool um the whole sequence that led to the ending of the match i thought was well done and yeah just the fact that they made Shotzi look like she stood a chance was was good it was smart booking but i mean come on uh, we both predicted it we knew who was going to win uh, so there was no real. I don't think there was ever any real doubt in our mind that Ronda was going to lose this. Uh, yeah, there were some hope spots in there for for Shotzi, but it was uh, it, it the 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 ending was uh, the ending was inevitable.
1: Uh, yeah, and that DDT you're talking about, I don't think that was supposed to be. It ended up being a DDT on the apron, but I think if I remember watching that and thinking. Shotsy, she, she, she botched that move. I don't think it was supposed to be a DDT. I'll have to go back and watch it. It ended up being one, and I thought she actually, real life, hurt Ronda Rousey. <laughs> I, I thought she broke her neck uh, the way she landed. But um I'll go back and watch that and just make sure. But if my memory serves me correct, she was supposed to be doing something else, like a suplex or something, and it just, it just was a complete botch. Uh The next match, the next match, I thought. If the men's four games wasn't so great, would have stowed the show. And that was AJ Styles versus Finn Balor. This was a great match. AJ Styles won, which Donnie, you actually predicted that. But this this was a this was a great match, and Finn Balor does not look weak at all in this match because he lost it. He he still looks good and I think that's the right way to go where he is the leader of judgment day. You want to keep him looking strong. And you know, Both crews came out. Uh, You and I discussed it during the live stream. They had on a vest, kind of like a game warfare. I thought it was great. I I, I really did. I loved everything about this. I loved the setup to it. I did not know I was going to like this match as much as I did, only because I was thinking there should have been a six-man tag team match. But I was wrong, because the way they intertwined with both groups outside, and then they went away and let these guys fight on their own, was a lot better. And I think they had a lot better better of a match because of that. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I liked uh, I liked the fact that the second half of the match didn't even, the other members of the factions didn't even factor into it because uh, they, they brawled into the crowd. And it really made the match all about Finn Bauer versus AJ Styles, who's the better wrestler. And uh, on this particular night, it was AJ Styles. But, hey, on any other given night, maybe it would have been Finn Bauer. But uh but you know, I predicted it right. So uh
1: you know, a little pat on the
0: back for myself.
1: <laughs> Whatever. Shoot. <laughs> All right. So uh now the most confusing match of the night to me was for <laughs> was for the United States Championship. Seth Rollins defended his title versus Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. Uh you and I both had Seth Rollins to retain, and he should have. This is the match of the night where I felt like taking my foot and sticking it through the television screen. This is crazy. Seth Rollins finishes it off after fighting off Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. And here comes this punk, Austin Theory, and he ends up winning the match. He ends up winning the match, and he is the new United States champion. I don't know for how long I would have never dreamed a scenario where this happened. Now, I thought in the back of my mind, maybe Bobby Lashley, because he's been so dominant here lately. I would have never, if anybody would have said Austin Theory was going to win this match, I'd have told them they were nuts. So, and this happened to be the match right after we stopped the live stream. <laughs> so we weren't even on there with each other to see each other's reaction on it. But man, oh man, it surprised me. Your thoughts? It was a crazy
0: ending sequence to this match um, because Seth Rollins hit that hit that superplex off the top rope. Follow, he was setting Austin Theory up for the Falcon Arrow. Boom! Big spear by Bobby Lashley. Austin Theory falls on top of Seth Rollins and pins him one two three. It was definitely a creative finish and not one that I could have predicted. Um, where do we go from here? Uh, I I wouldn't be opposed to them. Continuing the Theory-Rollin's um, feud for just a little while, uh, just because I think both of those guys, between between the two of them, uh, can have great matches. And not to mention the fact that I think Bobby Lashley is uh, going to have to contend with Brock Lesnar again sooner sooner rather than later, because that, that, that war is far from over. But um, this was a good way for Theory to bounce back after losing his Money in the Bank title opportunity. I don't think Seth Rollins is going to be hurt in the long run. I think he will uh, He'll bounce back in his own way.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I just, here's one thing. If they keep theory away from the stupid selfie stuff, and they have since he lost his money in the bank contract, I'm okay. I'm okay with this new theory. As long as he keeps that edge, if he doesn't keep that edge and he goes back with that stupid phone and taking selfies and crap like that, you know, <laughs> I'm done with this guy. He needs to evolve a little bit, and he has, don't get me wrong, the last two weeks on Raw, he has evolved. However, will he continue now that he's got that title? I guess we'll have to wait and see. And then we have the main event. In this main event, in my opinion, uh, it stole the show. It it was everything that we thought it was going to be. And that was the Bloodline, Roman Reigns, uh, Solo, Sami Zayn, Jimmy and Jay Uso versus the Balling Brutes, which is Sheamus, Ridge, uh, Holland, Butch, Drew McIntyre, and Kevin Owens. Both of us picked the bloodline, and we were both correct. This match was at some very, very key moments that was great. Uh, before the match ever started earlier in the night, Jay Uso tells Roman Reigns that he caught Sami Zayn talking to Kevin Owens and... Sammy lied to him about it. Just to get, give you guys the build up before we get into the match, Roman says, Thank you. Just be my right hand man. I'll have a talk with them and I'll know. Roman Reigns has a talk with Sammy. He confronts Sammy straight up. Sammy admits it and he also tells him why he lied to Jay. He doesn't hold anything back. Roman Reigns hugs Sammy, but yet he has a look on his face like he doesn't believe him. So I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, Oh, crap. Here we go. Anywho. So we get to the match. They uh, Jay Uso actually starts to match off. If you guys remember, because of Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn's distraction, uh, the Brutes, the brawling Brutes, had the 20 minute like they had the advantage in the match. So Jay Uso is absolutely getting killed. And finally, it's time for the second competitor of the Bloodline to come in, which is supposed to be Jimmy Uso. However, Roman Reigns, being the tribal chief, he stops Jimmy Uso from going in, and he has Sammy go in his place. Sammy goes in there reluctantly at first because, well, he's shocked because it wasn't evidently they had a game plan and Roman Reigns changed it on the spot. He goes in there, and he actually saves Jey Uso I don't know how many times during the match. Jey Uso refuses to see it. Sammy, even at one time during the match, takes a, I guess you call it friendly fire, uh, super kick by accident from jay uso when jimmy uso tries to check on their partner jay uso pulls him away and says "I ah, forget it you know let's move on anyways there's so there's a lot of things that happening in this match at once the coolest one of the coolest things i think that happened in this match was roman reigns finally it's his turn he's the last four games is officially getting ready to begin he gets in the cage shuts the door he gets all of his guys up and they're standing there face to face with the brawling brutes. That's how you do a war games match. I love that. That took me back, man, with Sting against the four horsemen. I mean, that took me back. And that's the way to do it. And these guys put on a heck of a show. Now, what everybody's talking about was the ending. And the ending was, uh, surprised me. It did. Because I thought it was going to go the other way. But Kevin Owens actually had Roman Reigns laid out. He stunned him. He was getting ready to pin him for the one, two, three. There's no doubt he w- he was going to pin him. And Sami Zayn interrupted and caught the referee's hand. Now, Kevin Owens is like, what are you doing? He's like, he's my friend. He's my family, blah, blah, blah. And then Kevin Owens acts like he's going to uh, fight, fight somebody, or Jey Uso, I think. And he's getting ready to do something, and Sami Zayn gives him a low blow. And when he gives him a low blow, he doesn't just do that. He catches him. And then he sacrifices him to Jey Uso's frog splash in the bloodline win. couple amazing things after the win. Roman Reigns hugs Sammy. He still has that look on his face. I don't know how many people caught it. He still has that same look that he had earlier, like a disbelief look uh, that he had in his locker room. Sammy Zayn. Then gets hugged by Jey Uso several times. Sami Zayn has regret all over his face. He plays that character. He he is so over right now, and I can see why. He is a great great actor, but you can see that he is distraught on what he did. Now, those of you don't know this, uh, that don't know this, I'm going to fill you in real quick, and I'll turn it over to Mr. Cage. The next night, they had a house show. And the Brawling Brutes uh, without it fought the New Blood without Roman Reigns. So it was Rich Holland, uh, Kevin Owens, and Butch. This was a main event at a house show. <laughs> Kevin Owens actually attacked Sami Zayn at this house show. And he called him a freaking Uso. <laughs> and he stunned him and won the match. So this, I don't know where this is going, but uh, this is definitely not the way that I thought it was going to go. So, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I mean, there
0: was so much to unpack during this match. So many different interactions going on throughout. Sami Zayn's facial expressions. Jay Uso finally embracing him as a member of the bloodline at the end of the match after he helped the bloodline secure the victory. Roman Reigns, like you said, still having that Indecisive look in his face. Um, I mean, I think at this point uh, it's it it's it's inevitable. We're going to get that moment where they go from calling him Sami Zayn to calling him Sami Uso, which Roman Reigns had hinted at several weeks back. And I actually have a theory about how it's going to go down, which is that eventually the bloodline will turn on Sami Zayn unexpectedly, like not, it won't be a situation where Sami Zayn cost them a match or he did this or he does that. They'll just turn on him inexplicably and they'll kick him out and say something to the effect of maybe, you know, oh, you were never an ooze or whatever the case is. And I have a feeling that the one member of the bloodline who's going to have regret about what they do to Sammy is going to be Jey Uso. And that's when you might, for the first time, start to see actual Cracks in the foundation of the bloodline, um, because Jey Uso all this time has been the one who said Sammy Zayn can't be trusted. Sammy this, Sammy that. He doesn't belong in the bloodline. Which leads me to believe that Jey Uso is the most. Um, he, he's the he, he's the person with with, with the most. Um, I guess like a conviction might be the word. Like he's the most like honorable member of the bloodline. And when he actually sees that Sammy was willing to put himself on the line and prevent the referee from making that count and helping the tribal chief, he'll be like, all right, well, Sammy's a good guy. He's a, he's, he's with the bloodline and that's it. Um, again, I, I I don't want to go into specifics because I don't know how it's going to go down exactly, but if I were to predict what's going to happen in the future, several weeks down the road, that's what I think is going to happen.
1: Now. I've seen several. I didn't see this, and I, I wanted to ask you. Uh, I know we're just about out of time, but I wanted to ask you a quick question about this. I've seen several reports that Roman Reigns was physically emotional at the end of four games. I didn't see it. They said he was, like, teared up and what have you. I, I, I don't. And this wasn't just one report. I've seen this. Several people report this. Uh, major places like uh uh, cult wrestling and, you know, places that, uh, that I actually enjoy watching their podcast and listening to it. I didn't see any of that though. Did you see that? I-, I didn't
0: notice it the first time around, but if I went back and rewatched it, I mean, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something to read into a little yeah. bit more. I mean, to me, the two members of the bloodline who showed the most emotion were Sami Zayn and Jey Uso because they finally were on the same page. After all this time being at odds, I think
1: these guys are just so hung up on Roman Reigns is going to take time off, and they keep trying to guess it. And, and I really believe that's what they're trying to—you know—they're trying to insinuate is yeah, he's uh, you know, he, he's going to take some time off, so he's sad, and he's kind of turning the ropes over to Sami Zayn. I don't believe any of that. I will tell you something funny though in that house show, uh, Sami's Z- <laughs> Sami Zayn actually. Uh actually uh <laughs> he did the uh, Superman punch and tried to do the spear on Drew McIntyre. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I love Sami Zayn, he's hilarious. All right, so let's go real quickly over tonight's raw card, which they didn't have much on there at all. And uh that raw card was Dexter Loomis is supposedly going to battle the Miz for to earn a WWE contract. Uh, my prediction is he's finally going to get, be done with it and beat the Miz and get his contract and stop all this nonsense. Becky Lynch is supposed to kick off tonight's show. That's about all it says. And the uh, Street Profits are supposed to wrestle uh, the Alpha Academy. Well, we haven't seen that before. Uh, your thoughts, sir, on Rawls. Well, then that's all they have so far for tonight. Do you
0: think tonight might be the night where they um, where they start to hint at at a uh, breakup uh, between the Street Profits, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins? I mean, the night after a major pay per view, they certainly could start planting the seeds again.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think it's long overdue. Yeah, I can. I'm with it. I know what the Street Profits want. I've listened to a couple of their interviews on podcasts. They want to be split up uh, via like a shakeup, like a draft one of them goes smackdown one of them go to raw they don't actually want to fight each other but what they want doesn't really matter right because they're, they're they're superstars but they're not that great of superstars they're not great enough to where they can call their own shot but i'd love to see it i think you're absolutely right something something should happen i mean we're coming off such a and like i said it was a good pay-per-view i, I wouldn't call it great and the only reason why is because One thing I can really respect on this pay-per-view was the time was given to everybody involved. Everybody got to wrestle and nobody seemed to be rushed and I really enjoy that. I hate when they rush one match after another and usually it it affects the female wrestlers. Let's just be honest. No matter which organization we're watching, uh, they usually are the ones that have to sacrifice uh, time for their match if things run over. So I can definitely appreciate it for that. I just think that and I thought the main event was great. It just, it was a good pay per view, in my opinion. Not great. I think they could have added just a little bit more spice to it. Uh, maybe something with Bray Wyatt. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, so, dynamite match card for this Wednesday. Brian Danielson uh, is going to face Dax Hardwood, who actually challenged him on Rampage. Uh, I think Brian Danielson will win that match. Uh, no problem. Uh, William uh, Willow Nightingale versus Anna Jay. I don't know who the, I, I don't really care. Uh, we have the elite facing the death triangle in the third match. Uh, the death triangle is actually up two to zero. The, the elite better win this match. Or they're they're going to be out of it very soon. Uh, your thoughts on dynamite. Uh,
0: I'm predicting a Willow Nightingale victory over Anna Jay. They seem like they're giving her a little bit of a mini push in the women's division. Um. You know, I I think it's it's very obvious to say, oh, Brian Danielson's going to beat Dax Harwood, but I don't know. I I wouldn't necessarily count uh, Dax Harwood out. You, you, we, we, we we could see an upset. We could see an upset. Uh, that's all I'm saying. And um, and as far as the other match, um, yeah, it. Should also it should also be pretty interesting. Um,
1: hmm. Uh, it's the lead in death triangle.
0: Yeah, because I'm trying to think about this one. You know, it would it would make a more interesting storyline. I think if Death Triangle were to win, because then the elite would have to come back from such a huge deficit and win four matches in a row. Um. So I think personally, as crazy as it sounds, I think Death Triangle is going to go up three nothing in the series.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, if if that happens, we may not be able to have a show Friday because I'm liable to break my phone. So I'm just warning you. <laughs> uh, that's uh, yeah, that can't happen. Uh, but you know, anything's possible, right? Especially in wrestling. Uh, Austin Theory's uh, took Seth Rollins' title, uh, so anything's possible. All right, sir. So that is all I have for today's show. How about what say you?
0: Yeah, that is the, that is it for me. All right, Kentucky folks. Guy. So we
1: will be back Friday with a brand new episode. You've been listening to Against the Mat, a wrestling podcast, with your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy and Donnie Cage. As always, God bless and God bless America.